Good morning, and welcome to another episode of the Anne podcast. Today, we're with Christy Maxey. She's a personal development life coach. She loves working with men and women who want to feel better about themselves, move past negative, self-defeating patterns, and live the life they long for. Hi, Christy. Welcome. Hi. Thanks for having me, Jacqueline. How are you? I'm good. Excited to be here. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. We actually had a pre-interview and a great conversation. So I'm excited about sitting down and talking with you and you sharing with all of our listeners. Um, you happen to be, I believe, the last interview of this month. This oh, month okay. close May. Okay. On a, on a good, uplifting thought with lots of hope and hopefully mm. new patterns. Of being oh, that's good. I like that. I love that. Can you tell yeah. people a little bit about yourself? Yes. So, um, yes, I was a therapist for 20 years in private practice and um, decided just a couple of years to turn. Actually, I thought about it for many years prior, but just didn't take the plunge and um, decided to transition into coaching a couple of years ago because what I kept seeing in therapy was most people that came to me didn't have a diagnosis. They didn't really have a mental illness. And what was happening is a lot of people just not understanding, um, having a, a low emotional intelligence and not knowing how to build a foundation of self-worth and getting stuck in negative thinking and about themselves mostly and so that was a pattern that i saw over and over again and i always wanted to get out and reach a larger audience with some important information and so finally i did that uh yeah so now i'm a coach so now you're a coach yeah Can you explain or define help us define emotional intelligence because you hear about it often do you feel like yes. people have the right definition of it you know, I, I use, I, I tell people that I teach the layperson's guide to emotional intelligence. There's a lot of classes, a lot of areas where you can even get certified with it, but, uh, and a lot of corporations are now teaching it. But the way I see it is being able to manage our emotions and our thoughts as emotional human beings that we are living in the human experience and so so does that make sense it does yeah it does. so it's not any it's not anything about it's emotional intelligence seems like a big fancy word but really we're emotional creatures there's no way around our emotions there's just no way around them if we don't acknowledge them and manage them they're going to come up somewhere and so oftentimes i think I say that we're uh, a bit of a, an emotionally neglectful society and um, nobody teaches us about our emotions. Nobody talks about them. I think it's happening a lot more now, which is really exciting and something I've been wanting for years. So, um, so there's a lot of learning to do, a lot of catching up for us to do, to normalize our emotions, to be aware of them, to be mindful of them and to learn how to manage them be more emotionally resilient instead of judging them. Why do you think that we immediately critique our emotions? 
Yeah, that's a good question. Well, I think part of it is probably somewhere in our DNA. We're, we're typically quick to be negative. Um, I think sometimes we're often taught that, um, I, I mean, think about the messages that people learn. That I, I have this in the workbook that I'm uh, just about to release, but I say, let's talk about all the messages you got about emotions. It's, I'm weak if I cry. I can't manage my emotions. I can't, I'm not allowed to be angry. Men certainly can't have fear or cry. So there's a lot of ways that we're socialized to not be okay with it. And that's why I say it's a societal issue. We have neglected teaching people about our emotions. We haven't evolved very quickly. And so now I think we're starting to evolve, which is exciting. And the thing about being critical about ourselves in general and with our emotions is it doesn't help. It actually makes it worse. Is it a fear-based critique? If, if it, I'm weak, it, then I won't survive. And if I'm, if I'm too emotional, then whatever that ends up being for, for some people, like I feel like if I'm too emotional, if I show my emotions, then I'll be perceived as unreliable or, unstable and right. I don't want I pride myself on being reliable so that would that would be a fear it, exactly but that fear is fueled by a belief that if I cry I'm unreliable and so that's another part of emotional intelligence is learning about how your thoughts fuel your emotions because our thoughts oftentimes they're real but they're not always facts is, you know, like, so many times I have clients coming to me and I've said, you know, I'm not concerned at all that you're not going to be reliable if you allow the sadness that's going on in your life right now to come out and allow it to be there. I'm not concerned at all. You are a reliable person. But they've adopted a belief similar to what you just said that um, fuels that fear. What's a healthy first step to start challenging those beliefs because that can really make a person unsteady when they when they start challenging those hard ingrained truths that they've held on to for so long yes and oftentimes we adopt those truths uh, that aren't so true as a way to cope. And so I say, we don't want to get rid of it forever, completely, especially right now. You're not going to go from zero to, to 10 or zero to 100 emotional intelligence. You're going to do it step by step. And so I think the first step is becoming more mindful. And I use the word mindful because I think it's an efficient way of teaching awareness because we're aware about we're aware of a lot of things we're aware that we feel miserable or we're aware that uh, we have a lot of anger but we do it with that like you said that critique now mindfulness is being aware without judgment so learning how on little steps how can I be more mindful of this thing that I do whether it's an emotion that I'm feeling or a belief that I have how can I be more aware of it without the judgment, with acceptance, allow it to be there and observe it kind of, okay, oh, that's what I've been doing all these years. So just one little step. And I always tell people, you can't change anything until you first start becoming more aware of it. So be more aware of how critical you are of yourself. Just notice it throughout the day. 
So what even about, that's the first step. What about all of those other voices that we hear in our heads? If we were, if maybe we had another, um, another voice, someone that taught us right. to be critical, someone that helped us early on define what proper was, what improper was, um, how to be and how not to be. Yeah. Cause now That's it's awesome. not just your beliefs. Now you're kind of tiptoeing into the whole realm of acceptance and love ability and likability and. Yeah. And oftentimes we do adopt what we see, what we're taught, what we're told. Okay. And that becomes, then we, I, I say, and that's a really important thing to look at an experience to look at. Wow. How was I affected by that person or that message? Because now you're an adult and now you get to start taking responsibility for, Hey, these are my thoughts now. Mm. So yeah, I may have learned that adult or, or, or learned that thought from what somebody, what some somebody was saying to me when I was a child, but it's now mine. And there's two things that happen when we have experiences. Uh, we, especially if it's an unfavorable experience, we abandon ourselves. We abandon our authentic self and we create, usually create a negative belief about ourselves. So if we could take charge of those two things, and start rebonding with our authentic self. Hey, I don't, I don't want to keep believing that about myself, that it's not okay to cry. Then I'm reaching into my, in my authenticity. And if I can change that belief, now I have a choice because I'm more mindful of what's going on. Now I can decide, do I want to keep believing that? Now, look how empowering that is. Those that might be listening that feel like, well, that's a tall mountain to climb to get mm -hmm. from this to that do you believe that by the by the mere fact that we that someone we want to find a way to become more aware we want to um grow in in a more positive mindset and be nicer to ourselves just simply being aware of that desire, that want, does that, does that make it more less of a scary climb? <laughs> Is that, you know, I think oftentimes people are afraid at the beginning. People don't go get help because they're afraid. Um, I have many people that I'll have conversations with them two or three times before they even decide to come in for an appointment and they'll be sobbing on the phone. And, um, but it's scary because we've not been taught this language before, for one. So it's almost like stepping into a foreign country in a foreign language. And so, um, but what I find is that when people do come in and do the experiential work, that they start feeling so much better that it counteracts the fear. It's like, wow, this is kind of cool. You know, I ha I just had a, you know, a moment or an hour where I felt like, wow, I got much more touch with who I really am. And it's easier to be kind to myself. So a lot of times that fear is much bigger in our minds than it has to be. And it's born out of 
you're, you're challenging and you're bucking. You don't know how deep it'll go. If I start this work, how, how much in my world is going to shift or change? How much yeah. am I going to have to shift and change? The thing that when you say that, how much am I going to have to change? What I find is people naturally transform when they do the work. So it's not like, oh, I have to. It's just a natural transformation. When you, I'm very experiential in the way that I teach people and that I work with people. And so you're not talking about, you're you're learning a ton of concepts, but you're also doing experiential exercises like, oh, so describe that fear to me. Where do you feel it in your body? So then it's, you're, you're, you're experiencing yourself. It is out of your comfort zone. I think people are afraid because, oh, wow, I may, you know, I may get out of my comfort zone. But again, I think that when people see the benefits of feeling much more uh, gentle on themselves, you know, I mean, we all, we, some people, it's amazing to me, our inner critics are so loud and so strong and you and there's actually more and more research. Um, there's a woman named Kristen Neff. I haven't even read her book, to tell you the truth. But I know that she does a lot of research on it. And I know one of her books is based on the research that's showing that being hard on yourself is not doesn't work. Being compassionate and kind to yourself is what works. So, for example, like I'm totally out of my comfort zone building a new business. When I was a therapist, it was easy. I didn't have to market. And now I'm trying to build a business in the digital world. <laughs> and I'm completely out of my comfort zone. And so it's, you know, I've had to walk my walk and or walk my talk and be kind to myself. I'm completely out of my comfort zone oftentimes. And um, I'd much rather be kind to myself and compassionate to myself than be hard on myself. One, it doesn't work. You spin your wheels oftentimes. A lot of times people will experience the same emotion for years because they've been judging it. And once they come in and start saying, oh, wow, I'm angry and that's my experience or I'm angry and it's okay, it shifts so quickly. I love that we've been talking about listeners that might be experiencing wanting to change the narrative that they're hearing and that they're feeling and understanding that more. For those that are listening that feel they they're they're aware of the negativity, they're aware of the of the criticalness that they have, but they have that belief that they deserve it. Mm -hmm. What what's the first steps for them? Mm -hmm. So I deserve bad things, I deserve to be miserable is a belief. Mm -hmm. Just like I'm not good enough. So there's a whole list of beliefs, we can just, you know, go on and on. And one of the things you could do is first be aware of how often you're thinking that and then maybe write down what would you rather believe about yourself? Just write it down for now to start with, well, I'd rather believe that I deserve love, or I deserve good things, or I deserve success. Uh, or whatever it is, and then practice it. So an experiential exercise in my office, for example, is I say, okay, I just want you to say that I deserve to be loved. Well, many people will laugh and, you know, they'll hesitate and they'll be like, I can't say that because it doesn't feel true. I said, that's okay. It doesn't, doesn't have to feel true. Just try it on. Just 
say it and if it doesn't feel true that's okay so it's so you so you'll say it and then you say it again and then you practice it the next day and then you practice it the next day and and you might start believing it a little bit more and a little bit more now the other thing that makes a bigger difference is if you go back to when did you start believing that about yourself and so one of the things I do is I do inner child work with people because I think it's one of the most powerful ways to change. And like I said, we have experiences usually in our childhood, sometimes happens in adult also. We abandon ourselves and we make up a negative belief about ourselves. I don't deserve, right? And we leave our authentic self who was like ready to go conquer the world and body could do anything, right? So it's so inner child work or rebonding work sometimes i call it is going back to that person you were when you lost yourself when you abandoned yourself and telling looking that person imagine looking that little boy in the eye or that little girl in the eye and say you do deserve love and so some visualizations around that is could be really powerful letter writing write a letter to your younger self um sometimes people struggle with that at the beginning because they don't because we're not taught to have compassion for ourselves so it's really uncomfortable and i say at the beginning start imagining that you're talking to a child a different child a friend's child your own child imagine that you're talking to a friend we don't talk to our friends and children like the way we talk to ourselves no we're much uglier to ourselves yes yeah and I I have always struggled with the saying that that doesn't kill us makes us stronger where I can find equal parts motivation and peace. I also find a little bit of anger towards it because I realized recently, like a few years ago that we're born strong we're born with the potential of strong and then there are certain things in life that try to chip that away there's certain individuals that try to take that away so it's not you made me a strong person it's i survived you trying to make me a weak person and i've always been curious and so i'm excited i get to sit down with a therapist today <laughs> how off base am i <laughs> Not, you know, that's another thing. I mean, that's your experience. Mm -hmm. And your experience is very valid, even if it may be different from someone else's experience or someone else's belief. Oh. So that's what helps make us unique and authentic is if we can have our own experiences and we don't have to judge it. And, and that's what makes relationships kind of difficult sometimes because you know you might have a partner that would say you know well that's ridiculous or you know so they judge or they think that you know we all do that until we learn i think to build a foundation of self-worth authenticity and emotional intelligence hey wait a minute it's okay for me to think that you know even if it is different from you and we can have a conversation about how we're different in that way and not a debate it's yeah. okay for me to feel this way over here in this moment. And it also allows for more transformation if you exactly. remain in that space because now you're open to idea. You're not you're not stuck in defending 
what your belief, your, your idea. Right. Exactly. And like you had said, you know, sometimes I get this anger. Well, I'd be curious about that anger. Our anger has, the thing about our emotions too, I think that is very valuable is if we listen to them, they have messages. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they have very, very important messages. So if we can allow them in, invite them in and say, you know, ask them, hey, what is it? What's going on? What do you need from me? Uh, Rather than self-medicate, push under the carpet, judge, you know, make all these beliefs that, uh oh, there's something wrong with me if I feel that. Uh, And it's so ingrained. I mean, even I, you know, I was crying talking to somebody the other day and I was, oh, wow, I'm sorry. I didn't realize that was going to come out. And and I thought, you know, why am I apologizing? We're human. I'm human. And we're allowed to, you know. Well, I can tell you that the anger that comes out is more, is, I don't know. I think it's less about me, like a personal anger and more about, well, if everybody was nice, then we Mm -hmm. could just, how about we not have to learn things? why, Why do we all have to survive something horrible, traumatic? And then I just... I wish that that would not happen. Yeah. (laughs) And I don't like it. And I don't think that it's fair. Like a child should not have to survive their childhood. And I know that that's not reality, but I get angry that it is reality. I get angry that there are children happening today and adults as well that are having to survive something. And the fact that they have to rely on, well, what? It's not killing me is making me stronger to get mm. through it. It kind of, it breaks my heart and it, and it makes me angry because, hey, person causing the trauma, how about not do that? How not be, how, how, how about not be an ass and, 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 and test that patience and test that, that strength? I completely hear you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes. And that's, one of the reasons why I think it's important to reach a larger audience with emotional intelligence and self-worth is because it's it's going to help break the cycle of that. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, there are people out there and that's a whole other conversation about trauma. And, but I think that the more and more we can educate everybody, not just people that go to therapy, I think that and I'm, by the way, I'm no longer a therapist. I didn't even renew my license. So yeah, because I want to work with people who want to grow and learn and break the cycle and end the stigma of psychological well-being. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be for people that just go to therapy. You know, I think therapy is kind of stuck in the dark ages, to tell you the truth. And these coaches that are out here are are moving and shaking things, (laughs) which I think is good because they're reaching more people. Whereas therapy, there's so much stigma, so much pathology attached to it. And like I said, most people that came into my office anyway, they didn't even have a diagnosis. Um, So anyway, I I went off on a tangent there. But... Yes, I I hear your anger and I get it. I think there have been times in my life where I felt that also. 
now I am on the road to, I want to do something about it. I want to educate the people that are not being kind. Um, you know, they're usually they're not being kind for a reason. And that's because they're not, not to excuse their behavior at all, but nobody's ever listened to what they went through or nobody's ever um, taught them how to value themselves. And, you know, they haven't been able to hurt people. Exactly. Yeah. And you have to break the cycle. And I think, I think that's why I also find peace on the other side of that statement, because it does make me a stronger person because I have strength and compassion and I have strength and loud encouragement. And I have understanding of someone that I can identify with someone that's not just having a, a moment of a bad day because of traffic, but you know, those overreactions and you, you, you're a little bit nicer about, cause maybe that's coming from another, mm-hmm. another spot. Mm-hmm. So that I, so it's a, it's a love hate relationship with that whole statement, I guess is what I'm a long winded. I love it. Right. It's, 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 very, it's a very love hate with it. I hate that it exists, but at the same time it does exist. And so we have to learn from it. And yeah. Go. And it, and, and, you know, what you just were talking about, about how you have more compassion, you're breaking the cycle right there. I hope so. The The thing about the hate also is it doesn't mean that, I think that sometimes we, when we talk about forgiveness, I think we put the cart before the horse. I have many people come into my office and say, I thought I forgave that person, but yet I'm still have this and I'm feeling this and I'm thinking this. And oftentimes I think forgiveness uh, solves everything is a myth. I really don't see that very often. I mean, maybe some people experience it, but I never have. And I've never seen that in my office because what I see is most people who thought they forgave really didn't. But what I do see is when people go through the healing process themselves, we're talking true healing. Yes. Accessing those sad feelings that hurt that pain and they heal that abandonment, that self-abandonment, and they heal those core beliefs, then forgiveness either happens naturally or it doesn't need to happen. It's just not even on that person's um, forefront of their mind. So I think that it can be deceiving to tell people to let go of things, just let go of it, just let go of it. I don't think that works either sometimes. that's why I think true healing and inner child work is so important because that, that is transformative. Um, so some of your, you know, I don't know. I think there's a great discussion there. I think there's maybe some work underneath all that, or, you know, that anger, not that you have a lot, but I have a lot of work underneath all of, all of this that needs to get done. (laughs) I know that I know Uh, that for, for truth. And I think that a lot of us, you know, have to do that. But I also, at least, at least what I've seen, um, and, and the people that I know and, and communicate with is we're very quick to assist and help and heal, want to heal others, Mm. but we won't like, we'll get to us another day. We'll get to ourselves another day. 
because yeah. because in a way um when you're when you're helping someone else it is kind of it's it's feeding you and it's mm-hmm. bringing you peace and so you're like i feel good today so i'll worry about the reason why i didn't feel good yesterday tomorrow or i'll just go out and just make sure everybody else is okay because i feel better when i do that and i and i liked what you said earlier where you do a lot of and it doesn't always have to be inner child but of course i'm process i'm all about root cause like where did it begin mm-hmm. where did it mm-hmm. start and i like that that's your mm-hmm. that's your approach because there's a lot of start points that i'm not looking at and I'm not excited to look at I don't want to look at Mm. because if I keep if I keep doing a b and c then I can ignore it yeah yeah there's a lot there I mean I totally relate to that part I've been a help you know I've been a therapist for 20 or coach and a therapist for 21 years and yes um I mean can I be honest with you doing this podcast is one of those a b and c's Mm. if i keep doing this podcast because when i first started and i was and listeners would call in and go oh it's helped me so much and this has helped me so much so i i gotta keep it going i gotta keep it going Mm. and i started realizing probably a month and a half ago that i would be different after an interview i would be wow yeah, I would be more raw and be more vulnerable. And I was, and I realized I was concentrating more on listeners and not really even looking at how people like you that were coming in and giving wisdom and expertise and you were touching those parts as well is the same as the listeners and i'm like well I won't deal with that i'm just going to schedule <laughs> another month of interviews. <laughs> That's, that's where funny. that's where I went. That's funny. Yeah. And I now think I'm crying during interviews. And now it's it's yeah. like fine. If you're gonna ignore me, then we'll just do this on air then. <laughs> yeah. And the and the tier, that's the thing. Unfinished business will come up somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think that I've I mean, come on, I've learned so much in working with people, you know, thousands of people for 20 years. And I've been lucky to learn you know, maybe how to be a little more emotionally resilient and, um, you know, learn to have a a foundation of self-worth because I've been able to teach this, you know? So yeah, Yeah. it's definitely taught me. And the other piece of that is, um, I, I, I actually wrote a post about this. Sometimes the definition of codependency is really a caring person. Oftentimes caring people We'll just, I always say there's like a fine line between codependency and caring, a caring person, because sometimes we hop over into the fence of dysfunction, doing too much for other people and not focusing on ourselves. Um, yeah, I've been guilty of that for sure. So, wow. yeah. And I found myself, you know, uh, pushing back emotions, just talking to you. You really give mm-hmm. a very relaxing energy and in like a peacefulness and I your voice mm-hmm. and how you say things and how you explain things and it's going to be okay that um yeah I can see how world work can be done working with you <laughs> oh thank you yeah 
I mean, it's such an awesome job that I have. I, you know, I, I, I have a, a therapist colleague of mine and we joke about how we're um, intimacy junkies, emotional intimacy junkies. <laughs> um, it's, you know, it's, if we could do this, unfortunately, people have to go to therapists or trauma informed coaches to do this kind of work. But if we can learn to have more compassion for ourselves and each other, we can start doing it in our relationships. Yeah. And relationships can be more healing than more damaging, which would be another amazing thing if that could happen more. So, um, yeah. Well, where can people find you so that they can work with you and learn from you? Um, well, they can uh, look at my website, Max Method. Oh, maybe you want me to tell you a little bit about the Max Method. It's a personal development framework that I created because actually I went through, I was ignoring a lot of what was going on for me. My sister was diagnosed with cancer and she died nine months later. I had other tragedies in her family that was going on. I had losses, like I was grieving, but I kept working and kept busy and Finally, I said, you know what, I've got to get this looked at. I know inside I'm not well. And so I went to a couple different therapists and was, something wasn't happening for me. And I don't have a problem going to therapy at all. I always have when, you know, whenever I feel like I need to. So finally, after trying the second therapist and I left and I sat in my car and I was like, wow, what do I do with my, my clients? You know, because I'm all about progress and helping people live their lives and so I thought well I'm going to do it on myself that's it I'm going to wake up each morning and that's what I did each morning I did some sort of work whether it be visualization inner child work grief work I did a lot of different things uh, for probably a couple of months and then I wrote down what I did oh and at the end of it when I started feeling better and through my grief, I said, I'm living, that was what was my deciding factor in moving into coaching. I decided I was living too small and I wanted to grow uh, professionally. So that's when I made that decision. And I wrote down what I did and it turned out to be um, sort of a framework. I call it a framework for personal development. And I was telling a friend about it. I was up with her in Utah and she goes, you need to call it Max Method. So it's called Max Method. I'm actually in the finishing touches of design and publishing a workbook, and it is focused on how to love yourself and become who you're meant to be. So that I, I was hoping it would be out by the end of May, but we're running a bit behind. So I'm hoping it's going to be out in, I don't know, two to three weeks. We're so, I'm self-publishing it. so. Um, but yeah, so they can find me at maxmethod.com. They can email me at Christy at christymaxie.com and that's M-A-X-E-Y. And then I'm on social media and all that. And Facebook. and Yeah, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. And all the links are in the episode guide and they're also in the show description. So if you're um, looking at working with a personal development life coach, then reach out to Christy Maxie. I thank, thank you, Jacqueline. You. Thank you. I want to thank you so much for, for sitting down and answering all my questions and chatting with me not once, twice, but three times. This is I, would I would be happy to chat with you anytime. I enjoy it. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. 
Thank you to all the sponsors of the Ambry Podcast. Without you guys, we couldn't keep bringing you shows week after week. Special shout out to our co-producers, Jay Beam and T. Martin. You ladies are amazing and your support means the world to me. If you'd like to be a live audience member, you can find us at www.patreon.com forward slash Anbry. You'll get to see and hear all of the interviews before they hit the airwaves, get access to Q&A and bonus content from and with our guests. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening. I'll talk to you soon. Bye.